Hello and welcome. Legally Brief presents the Child Athlete Abuse Podcast. I'm your host, Judy Saunders. I'm a lawyer, mother, and survivor. I work with competitive youth athletes, survivors of abuse, and their families who are dealing with abusive authority figures. This podcast is for anyone who is fed up, dealing with fear, and searching for answers. I really hope that you enjoy the contents of each episode, but remember, it is never a substitute for speaking directly with an attorney who knows and understands your unique circumstances. If you're looking for past episodes, head on over to my website, jsaunderslawfirm.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the newsletter. And one more thing, don't forget to rate and review the show and leave a comment. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get into the show. I was talking with a friend and we were discussing the coming of age of our children. Myself, I have two boys who are reaching the age, going through and fully experiencing puberty. I apologize in advance to them. But if you saw them, you would know that they just biologically, this is the right time to do that. And with that comes an interest in the opposite sex with dating, with spending time exclusively with someone that they may like or feel attracted to. So I was talking to uh, an adult friend, another parent about that. And during the course of that discussion, as it so often does when I speak with other parents, other moms or other dads, even if we're at an outing, you know, the parents, you know, well, you have to watch those girls, those girls, they're going to be after your boys. There was another comment maybe some months before that comment where parent and I, we were discussing young lady and a young man. And there was talk about how this young lady had trapped the gentleman. They were both, and I'm calling him a gentleman, you know, they were both in their teens that she had trapped him, that she was quote unquote fast. She, and some other not so nice words that are commonly used in our culture to describe girls and women who are now developing breast, a body, curiosity about themselves, comments about wearing the short shorts, the Daisy Dukes, they're going to trap your boys, they're going to get them, they're going to do this. You know, words that make me cringe, even saying it, no, we can say it here, you know, girls acting slutty, girls doing girls gone wild. When I started to think about these words and the conversations that I was having with other girlfriends, with other parents, and also other men, like I was saying, say you're at a barbecue and we're just talking about our kids growing up and coming of age. I had a moment to think about this and think about how those same words were used in my generation when I was growing up in high school and college and how that messaging, how it sat with me and how it carved out my thinking, how it made me feel shameful growing up as a young girl and really impacted so many of the decisions that I made and the ways that I thought about my body negatively. That's the purpose of the conversation that we're going to have today. It is the goal of trying Trying to see how we as now parents in our 40s and our 50s with young children, how we can better support females and girls growing up by being aware of 
the conversations that we're having, how we're characterizing, how we're continuing to keep young girls in the same cages that we were in. And also another purpose of our conversation is to let moms and dads know that so many of the clients that I see, because of the way that their the female form was characterized, because of the way it was blamed and shamed, how then it led for girls, it led for women to not have authority over their bodies, change the way they thought, and many times led to or played some role in the sexual assault and the sexual abuse that they then encounter. So I'm giving you what I've seen anecdotally as a parent and also what I've seen in the legal sense as an attorney from having dealt with hundreds of cases, having to look deep behind the curtain and understand a client so I'm better able to represent them. I remember in being in college in the 90s, it was a very hot summer day. It was one of those days where if you attended a college, I attended college in the South. It was a historically black college and we were on the yard and it was just one of those fun days where you're sitting out. Anyone who could afford a car or had a fun car, we were all parked around kind of the student center. Everyone was out and they're just all of a sudden was a buzz around campus. And you saw people just running toward the library. Now, the library at the college that I attended, which was Oakwood University, I attended a very small liberal arts school in the South. It was a religious institution. There was a uh, library and it had a number of steps leading up to a very pretty library with a glass front. And I was sitting out by the student center. I wondered what was all this buzz about? So of course I I ran over. I didn't know what was going on, you know, maybe some type of discussion. But as I got closer, I started to see a couple of girls, friends that I knew, some were crying, some were screaming, some were starting to use swear words. And I got a little bit closer and in very big black letters were written on these steps leading up to the one of the main, you know, main buildings on campus, the library, and everyone goes there. It was the words, these are the campus whores in big black letters. And then it went on, on each step to write out the names of girls. Some of these girls, and my school was very small, so you knew everyone. But some of these girls in particular were my friends, very close friends. Now, was my name on there? I kind of half expected it because it was random. Some of the girls, maybe, I don't know if some of these girls had, the girls that were listed on this, you know, in this kind of stairs of shame were because they had done something wrong, whether it was revenge. To this day, there's always been speculation about who wrote this. I never knew. But to this day, it is just, I I see it. I still can feel that anger and that just bewilderment in the pit of my stomach, even while talking to you about this. It was that word. It was just the whores, the whores on campus. And I know that from having a friend whose name that was on there, that impacted her and still to this day impacts her. Now, for generations, you can be labeled loose, fast. What are some of the words? The words that I used, whore, for any number of reasons. You could be 
wearing your skirt too short. When I went to school, this religious institution on the Sabbath, so from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday, and especially when you went to church, you had to wear a skirt. So it could be, you could have received some type of shameful label because your skirt was too short or you wore too much makeup or you were known to have had premarital sex. Maybe you were too curious about your body or maybe you were too confident. You walked with confidence. All of those acts, those benign acts could have wound you up in those categories. And that's how we as a culture in America and other countries, that's how religion has kept females, have kept girls in a box, kept us locked away in our thinking and made it so easy to yield that weapon of shame to put us back in line or back in order. Why is that wrong? Why is it wrong for us to not be aware and to participate in those acts of shame? And when I say participate, I'm calling all of us out, myself included, when we continue to use phrases or concepts like, well, that girl is fast. Watch out for that girl. She's going to get your sons in trouble. After thinking about this and really seeing the similarities in the work that I do, the cases, the survivors that I help, I see the same similarities. We're not necessarily by using those terms or those phrases, watch out, you know, She's going to come after them. You better protect your boys. These girls, you know, these girls today, they're just out to get your boys. It is the same. Maybe it's a softer phrasing, but it's the same phrasing as if you were to call girls slutty or fast or, you know, they're out to trap a man. Gold digger is another phrase. A lot of these words you'll hear in some of the, you know, some of the hip hop and rap music that I even listen to, my sons listen to, you'll hear these same phrasings. My point is that it's the same idea It's and it has the same objective. It has the objective of yielding shame, causing girls, causing women to grow up thinking that their body is bad. The natural growth and formation, their curiosity about themselves, they're expressing just pure bodies the breast, the rear end, the buttocks, just expressing that, just clothing that the way that they see fit, doing that, there's something wrong with that. And it's the same pattern that I saw in the 90s that has been going on for generations, for hundreds of years. It's not changing moms and dads. It's not changing listener. We're just maybe softening the terms and we're still talking about it in barbecues. We're still talking about it over drinks, over dinner, in our homes. And that's what we all need to be aware of, especially now for the women and the moms that are listening to this. So I'm the mother of boys. Moms, we have, as women, we have a special role to try to, what I call, correct and to right side up this world. It's off balanced. Right now, it's masculine heavy. There's nothing wrong with the masculine form. There's nothing wrong with the male form. I celebrate it. I'm surrounded by it, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I have a brother. I had an amazing, wonderful father. And now I'm the mother of two sons. So I am pro-male. But I do know that what is missing is the feminine voice. And the feminine voice is being silenced and being ostracized and being shamed. It's been shamed for generations in my generation, and we're continuing to do it when we present an us versus them, a girl versus now us moms 
to in the protection of our boys, it's an us versus them. And that's not what we need. There was a conversation where in particular I was being informed and a parent was doing what they thought was right and what I would maybe would have done in letting me know that there was one young lady in particular who may not be the best dating choice, the best object of affection for one of my children. And the conversation, you know, this is what you need to know and you better watch out. And of course, immediately I'm in, you know, mama bear mode. Well, what, what happened? You know, <laughs> and I could see myself you know, getting angry and what am I, you know, how am I going to stop this? What can I, what skills can I use and to keep this from going any further? I then, you know, started to see, I could feel it growing in myself, the us versus me mentality against this young lady. You know, later on that evening, I thought that is the wrong way to approach this. That is what was done to me. That's what is done to so many girls and women through the years. And that's why You know, when I see, when I have individuals that are coming to me for counseling, when they're talking to me about the situation and why maybe, especially instances where there was a delay to tell about their abuse, to talk about either the sexual violence that happened to them or the physical or emotional violence. How come they didn't tell? They didn't feel comfortable about telling. They felt ashamed. They felt that they were actually the one who caused the abuse. And that used to baffle me as a young attorney. How could you? you feel that you caused this to happen to you, this sexual abuse, so to speak. That would always baffle me, but it wasn't until fully understanding this, learning about it, learning from experts, educating myself. It's because you feel ashamed. You feel ashamed about your body, about your thoughts, and about what's been told to you. And that shame, we lay the groundwork when we label and we call girls and women these names and we apply these concepts to them. We talk about, we objectify them. Yes, we moms objectify them with those girls. That girl is fast. This girl will do that. She's out to get your sons. So that's what we have to stop. And that's what I have seen happen in my practice. We have to have a healthier approach to the girls now that are coming up and maybe interested in our sons. We have to be a part of the discussion that presents positive modeling for girls. And if a girl is you know, doing something that may be harmful to their long-term health or the way that they want to present themselves. Let's think of a way to communicate that positively, either to the child's parent, the child's guardian, or someone that's supportive. We have to create a world and environment that's supportive to the next generation of women so that they feel totally comfortable in their form. It's not an us versus them. I'm going to hold myself to that challenge. I'm going to hold you the listener to that challenge, I know that we can do this. I know that we can create a better future for girls and for our boys. And along that same vein, I'm going to invite you listeners to on July 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to be hosting a live event where I'm going to talk to parents and I'm going to talk to college age students, high school students about what is consent, what is sexual consent, how to have a healthy college experience in relation to exactly that concept, sexual consent. So many of us are getting ready to send our kids back to school, back to the college campus. What is consent? I'm going to talk about what is healthy consent? What does that mean? I'm even going to talk about what to do if 
your college student, if your son or daughter has been accused of some type of sexual violence as being a perpetrator, I'm going to talk to you about what to do if you have been the victim of a sexual assault. You'll learn about that. We'll have an easy, open discussion. You'll also learn about if you are the survivor of sexual abuse. I'm going to have on a medical expert, Ivy League educated Dr. Michelle Roberts Borden, an OBGYN, is going to be there to talk about what the medical exam, what to expect if in fact you have to report this to the police and undergo the process of collecting evidence and a rape kit. The more you know, the less fear and the better equipped you'll be to act and to know your options. I'm going to discuss your options and what to do. So join me on July 27th. You can email me directly for information about the event. My email is judy, J-U-D-I-E, at jsaunderslawfirm.com. I'll leave the information in these show notes, but come on over, learn about with your student, tune in and learn about the things that you need to know. It's not only education and preparing to go out and find a job, it's also learning how to have healthy attitudes around sex what sexual consent means and how to prepare if you're accused or if you're the survivor of abuse during this college experience. Please leave your comments. You know how to find me, jsaunderslawfirm.com. Thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to spend this time with you. Take care and be well. All information and content in this podcast is provided for entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this podcast shall constitute legal advice and shall not create an attorney-client relationship. This information is general and may not be applicable to your particular circumstances. You should review your particular circumstances with an attorney. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast is hereby expressly disclaimed.